0: chapter 12 today. In chapter 12, Paul changes the focus from Israel to having a relationship with God and with each other. And these scriptures are going to speak not only to the church as a whole, but to each of us individually. We don't collectively make up the church. We individually make up the church collectively. Have I confused you yet? Okay, so so the church isn't a building. The church is the people. And so we are the church regardless of where we are, uh, whatever building we're in. We are uh, the church. In the previous 11 chapters, Paul reveals the depravity of mankind in contrast to the love of God. We could see how messed up people get when they try to work their way to heaven. You know, and if we could work our way to heaven, if we were able to access the throne room of God based on what we do, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come and die for us. We could have just worked our way. And then some of us would have had like an upfront seat in heaven and some of us would be like in the bleacher seats, you know, way up high, you know. I'm sorry, but that's not how heaven works. Because we are saved by the grace of God through faith in him. And that's how we have access. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? And so that's where Paul is now tidying things up. He's going to focus on that. He discussed the need for righteousness and the failure of man to achieve it through the works that we do. And we can get caught, even as Christians, we can get caught up in this. We cannot uh, purposefully do it, but we can feel good about ourselves when we do something good. You know, when we, you know, help someone out. Oh, Yeah, I was over there helping someone out and, uh, you know, it, it was rough work, but I, you know, I managed to get, you know, and I recognize that every opportunity I have to minister or to bless someone is given to me by God and I can't take credit for any of it. Even if I do a good job. You know, even if it's like, well, they need help moving. Well, call Mr. Tetris um, because that's what I was known at as my at, at my old church. I was in charge of the moving ministry and when they needed to load a truck, I could make everything load in such a way that everything fit and it was perfect and from years of playing Tetris. If you don't know what that is, it's a video game making blocks fit. And, uh, you know, so... Uh, That's something that God gave me a talent for, uh, but it wasn't something I could take credit for. It's because he gave me the opportunity to do those things. And the, the biggest blessing was everyone that came out to help. We would have like five, six, seven guys. That were, The ministry itself had about 25 guys. But every time someone needed to move, we needed to help someone unload that was moving into town, uh, we would have these five, six, seven guys, you know, that would come out and we'd, uh, you know, just do the work because God gave us the opportunity to do it. And we would be the ones that were blessed. Oh, sure, the people were blessed. But we would be the ones after that was just like, man, that was great. We just enjoyed that so much, you know. And that's what church should be like too. When we come together, we're hearing from the word of God. It isn't whether or not the pastor put on a good performance that day. I hope that's not why you come here because I happen to have a good show. It's not about that it's about hearing from God. And if you hear from God, it's going to be much better than anything I can produce. And so I always pray beforehand, you know, let God be the one speaking from this pulpit. Let God be the one, let the scripture be what's reaching your hearts. And today, that's what I pray for. Today's message is titled, Living for God. We continue our study Through the book of Romans with chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 1. Where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I I like that Uh, Paul starts out, I beseech you. He's not saying, I command you. I direct you. Beseech means, I plead with you. You know, I hope that you would do these things. You, therefore, brethren, he's speaking to us. We are the brethren, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's who he's writing this to. He's not writing this to the general population. He's writing this to people who know Jesus Christ. And I, I pray that every one of us knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because the scriptures don't have as much meaning to a person that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. They read it. They may get some intellectual knowledge from it. They may feel good or they may feel bad by some of what they read, but it's not here. It, it, it has to sink down the 12 inches or however far that is to hear and to become part of our lives. It has to be part of what we believe, how we live. And that's what Paul is really getting to here. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God... Mercies of God. God pours out his mercy upon us. How many of us appreciate the mercy of God? Because mercy is what you get when you don't deserve it. You don't deserve mercy. We don't work for mercy. We don't. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. But by the mercies of God, what we don't get, what we don't have happened to us because we've lived in opposition to God, but He gives us mercy so He doesn't hold it against us as brethren. And it says, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. You see, sacrifices, especially to the Jews, were animals that were sacrificed or material or, or, or the vegetables, the, you know, stuff they grow and they have a sacrifice or a drink offering. It's a sacrifice of sorts. And the offerings were given to God, but it means death. It, it, the animal would be killed, would be put to death. And that was the sacrifice that was given to God. But Paul is saying, it's a living sacrifice. That's us. We are the living sacrifices. That means we give our lives sacrificially to God. You know, Do you know how... Sacrifices work this way. I'll tell you how. You have a child. It's a sacrifice to have a child. It really is. Because you have to sacrifice of yourself for that child. Instead of doing everything for yourself, now you have a child that you need to pour into. You, need to, you have to think of them before you think of yourself. You have to put the mask on them first on the plane if they drop from overhead. You put it on them first and then you think of yourself. No, I know it's the opposite. But that's because you don't pass out and then you can't, you know, help them. Here's the thing. When we have a child, we pour into them before we pour into ourselves. We substitute our own lives for them and we give to them and I know my children just figured it was just part of life you know oh dad's gonna help he's going to provide all of this my daughter lives in Oceanside right now that is this tropical storm is coming through and you know she was now preparing what what do I do dad I wish you were here and what you know what do I do um you know, she said, do I get sandbags? Your doors are on the second level. I don't think, I don't think the water's going to come that high, but I understand her concern because she doesn't know. She doesn't know how these things work. I've been in tropical storms and, you know, and and I just try to lighten it up for my daughter to make her feel good. You know, she said they're moving the, the ships out of harbor, you know, out to sea. They're moving all the ships and the submarines out there, you know, and I said, what, they don't want them to get wet? <laughs> you, you know, uh, but, you know, so I make it light for her, give her give her some peace, and uh, I'm looking at all of the projections, and Oceanside doesn't look like it's going to really be hit hard. It's really going to be the inland um, areas that are really going to be hit hard by this, but I want my child to be at peace. I want her to know that it's going to be okay and uh, that she's going to get through this without a problem. So that's a living sacrifice we make for our children. The next word is holy. Holy. And that is something that we can't relate to. Being holy. Holy. The only holiness comes from God. When we talk about the word holy, we talk about like Mount Moriah and going up to the mountain and meeting with God and being told, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. Well, you know, if nowadays someone would have gotten their shovel out and scooped it into a bag so they can bring the holy ground back home so they had holy ground with them all the time, right? You know, can you picture that? Oh, it's holy ground. No, the ground isn't what is holy. It's who was at the site at the time that Moses is there. It's, God that makes the ground holy. It's God that makes the sanctuary holy. And then we have the holy of holies inside the temple. It's God, the presence of God, that makes something holy. But we're told that we're supposed to be holy. Well, the only way we do that is through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's what makes us holy. That's what separates us from the world. Acceptable to God. We can only be acceptable to God if we have the Holy Spirit. Because God can't look on sin. But having the Holy Spirit within us, now God looks on us as children of the living God. We have a righteousness that doesn't belong to us that we carry in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so we're separate. And then he says, which is your reasonable service? Meaning, it's just logical. It's logical to think that this is what we should be doing. It makes sense because of what he has done for us. And so when we look at that, we look back and say, I beseech you therefore that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It all makes sense to us if we consider all of that to be true. If everything that Paul was saying was true, then It makes sense for us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so here Paul is saying, okay, now that you are living as a sacrificial life, to God, don't be conformed to the world. Is the world trying to conform you? Yes. I mean, every commercial on TV tries to draw you in, but it's also a way of conforming you. This is what is acceptable If you watch the news, the news tells you what you should be thinking. Not what you should be doing, but what you should be thinking. Because the news is conforming you to the world. Our politicians pass laws contrary to the word of God. And we are then told to be obedient to those laws conforming by believing in those things. I'm not saying that we have to um, go to the Capitol and start fires and, and, you know, cause trouble, you know, every time there's something that we disagree with. No, you know what we should do? Vote. And we elect people that have the same common ideas that we believe. Scriptural ideas, scriptural pe- people. That How come they say something one day and then they act differently once they get in office? Because the enemy is really good at what he does. But here's the thing. We should be expecting all of that. It's what the Bible says is going to happen. This shouldn't catch us off guard. We shouldn't say, oh no, you know, what God isn't paying attention. No, God's paying close attention to everything. He not only is paying attention, he told us ahead of time what to expect. That's what our studies on Wednesday night are going to be about. What God has told us and what we're seeing in the world today and how it relates And how we don't have to be panicking, but we should be inviting people to hear the good news. Not the good news of the rapture. Not the good news that Jesus is coming soon. Here's the good news. He died for every single person on the face of the earth. He died for everyone. That all we have to do is believe And then we can be saved, right? So we all know that we're saved. But those that are out there in the world, they don't know. They are living because the world is telling them to live this way. The news is telling them to live this way. Their friends, their neighbors are telling them to live this way. Here, I'm flying this flag. Follow me as I fly this flag. Do you you know what? The Bible talks about that. Romans chapter 1, we talked about that when we first started our study in Romans. It's not just bad to actually do the things that we see people doing that are sinful against the word of God, but it's also just as bad to support it, to encourage people in that sin that they're involved in. It's just as bad. And so we have to commit ourselves to be transformed, not conformed, but transformed. How? It says by the renewing of your mind. You see, the world is conforming us here, but no, we're renewing our mind to the truth. That's where our mind is being renewed, the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so now we know what the renewing of our mind is going to be about. It's going to be about focusing on the truth. The truth is the Word of God. It changes our hearts. It changes our minds. It changes our vision, our clarity. I had cataract surgery on Monday. My vision is getting better, you know, it's changed. And and so uh, I'm looking forward to having the other eye done, you know, and then I'm, I'm hoping that uh, things are much clearer. But I didn't realize how bad things really were until I had the new lens put in. And then I started seeing everything differently with clarity When I get up at night and I look at the alarm clock, I can read it across the room. I know what time it is. That may be a bad thing. You know, it's two o'clock, then it's three o'clock, then it's four. So, you know, but now I'm going to have the other eye done. But see, here's the thing. This eye wasn't bad. The other eye was really bad. And this eye wasn't that bad. But they replaced this one. Things are clear. And now... I close my eye and I look through this. Ah, This is terrible. This is horrible. They said it wasn't that bad. But to me now, because I have clarity, this is bad. That's what's going on in the world right now. When we have spiritual clarity, we look at the world and we see how bad things really are. We see the direction the world is heading. It's heading in the wrong direction. And you know what? Half the people don't think so. Why can't they see? Because they have cataracts. (laughs) they, They have spiritual cataracts. They can't see clearly. And so when Jesus intervenes, Through his word, through the word of God, it changes our mind uh, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Proving it. Well, how do you prove something? You, You test it and show that it's true. And so we prove the word and the will of God by how we live. When we read it, apply it to our lives, and then act it out, and let the Word of God have control of our lives, and act it out, and live as if the Word of God were true. Well, it is. So this should be easy. Uh, then it proves to the world that what we believe is true. You know, you can tell someone, I I won the lottery. You know, $500 million. I won it. Um, and, well, prove it to me. Well, here. Here are the numbers. You know, here, here. I have them written down. Those are the numbers. Well, that doesn't prove anything. That proves you know how to write down numbers. But it doesn't prove, show me your bank account. Oh, you have $125 million? Well, after taxes, that would be about right. And so you did win $500 million. and But... If you're not going to prove it by showing what you believe, what you have, then it's not really going to affect someone else. They're not going to believe you. And so we prove it by how we live. We prove it by showing people how God changes our lives. We are a walking testimony to give evidence to the truth of the word of God. And then when we do that, we show that the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the will of God for our lives? Well, first to understand his word, to read his word, and to apply it to our lives in such a way that the world will see that the word of God is true by how we live our lives. We prove it, and then they know for themselves. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't think too highly of yourself. We don't have a problem with that in our country today. (laughs) You know, it's like everyone wants to be president And, uh, you know, they're lining up from here to Timbuktu to be president of the United States because they think more of themselves. They think they all have the answer to solve the problems. Uh, Some of them, it's just like obvious that you think that you're going to solve all the problems of the world. And some of them may even sound like they have good solutions, to problems that are in the world. The problem is not political, it's not economical, the problem is spiritual. And without the work of God in our government, in our lives, um, it's going to keep going in the direction that it's going. It's been going this way for hundreds of years, thousands of years. It it hasn't gotten any better. So what can we do to make a difference? Well, we can vote. We can go out and, and, you know, um, preach to people the word of God. Sometimes there are people that go out and preach the conservative gospel. They want to preach about what man is doing in the government and so on and so forth. And I belong to a couple of different political groups that are Christian organizations, political groups that try to impact and influence our government in the way we do things in the government. And that's great. I pray that they have some impact in our government. I don't think it's going to change anything. You know why? I read the rest of the story. I know it's going to happen. I know the end of the story. So I just pray that God may use them to buffet the amount of damage that's being done to our country right now. But I'm not putting my effort into them. I'm putting my effort into getting people saved. Because if the country all turned to Jesus... It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. If this country turned to Jesus, if my people would humble themselves and pray, well, my people means the brethren. It starts in the church. If we go and reach out to the people that are lost and they get saved, that's a way to save the country. That's the way to save the world is through Jesus. But I already read what's going to happen. And so everything is happening according to the way God said it was going to happen. So do we fight to, to make things perfect here on earth? I know when things are going to be perfect. And it's going to be soon and very soon, I believe. But until that time, we should bring as many of our friends into the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they can celebrate with us when that day comes. Amen? So he says that he has, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so the question is, do we all have the same measure of faith? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean faith cannot be developed. You know, I think about the um, Matthew twenty five when Jesus um, gives talents. Ow! The, I'm going to have to get a softer podium. Um, can we get maybe some of those pool noodles and we'll just put some cushion in here so I don't ever do that again? Okay, I'm over it now. Um, so. You know, when I think of what Jesus was talking about when the master gave five talents to one servant, gave two talents to another, and gave one talent to another. And then he said, you know, go and, and you know, work it out until I come back. They were each given a measure based on their faith. And the guy with five doubled it. And the master came back and said, well done. And the guy with two came back and said, I've doubled it. And the master said, well done. You see, it wasn't a more well done for the five because that was what the master gave and he did what he did. And the master knew. Obviously, he knew because he gave him five. He didn't give the guy with two five. He gave the guy with two two. But the guy with one, the master gave, could he have put it in the bank and increased even with interest? No, instead he put it in the ground. And that's what happens when Christians say, I have no impact, I have no influence, I can't do anything for God. Not true. There's always something, and that's the measure of faith, and God is the one who has given us, that faith. By grace, we have been saved through faith. And it is a gift that God gave us, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God, that faith. And so now what we do with that faith is up to us. And we can develop that faith. We read that Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans 10:17. That tells us that there is a way to build faith, to increase our faith. And we should each be looking forward to doing that, to increasing our faith. Because the more faith that we have, the more we trust God in the hard times. When things aren't going exactly the way we want them to. We look and say, okay, well, I have this much faith. I trust God. Even though things aren't going my way, I trust him. I know he's going to do what he said he's going to do. How do I know? He told me. He promised it in his word. And I trust him to do that. And Peter Uh, tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, that this is how we build that faith. He says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also are living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy, key word, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, living sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We make up that spiritual house of the Lord. And Paul explains how each one of us are stones. We're all part of that. So back in Romans uh, chapter 12, we look in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function... So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There is the house, the church, the holy house that's built out of stones, living stones for Jesus Christ. We have many members. You know, sometimes you feel like maybe I don't have as much impact or maybe you feel like you have a lot of impact maybe you feel like uh, you know what I have a lot I just happen to be the pastor up here teaching but all of us have the same word of God we're all able you have more impact to reach your neighbor than I do don't call me and ask me to go speak to your neighbor you go speak to them Okay, because if they hear it from you, they know you. Uh, You know, they hear it from me, oh, the pastor. People don't want to hear pastors talk. We usually run over all the time. And so they don't want to, you know what, he talks too much. I, I want to focus on what God wants to say. And if he uses you, it'll have a lot more impact than if I was to get out there. We all have that role. We all have the ability to reach others. We're many members and we're all together in this one body. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. You know, and prophecy is like one of the hot topics of the day. Prophecy. I, I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about what God is going to do. And so, and we're going to on Wednesday nights. We're going to have the prophecy uh, teaching for 10 weeks. But prophecy in this context is talking about uh, not about the foretelling, but the forthtelling of the Word of God. And so, if you read Scripture, If you share scripture with someone, you're prophesying. You're actually speaking. Now, I've seen the prophets on the internet that get a word from God, and now they're going to share that word, and they're telling you, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and so on and so forth. If God uh, was going to do that and then share it on the internet, wouldn't it apply to the whole church? Wouldn't it apply to everyone if it's being shared on the internet like that? You know, and and prophecy does apply to everyone. We have all of the prophecies of the Bible given to us, and it does apply to all of us equally. And so we can trust in the prophecies that God has told us about and that he's going to fulfill. But when you hear a prophecy that applies to you specifically, it may not be prophecy. It may be what's known as a word of knowledge or something like that. That's okay if it's something that God has given someone to speak to you. I've had that happen. I've had people come up and give me a word, and I'm like, you know what? That's, that's solidly from God that spoke to me. You're, you're saying something that I have been thinking about. It confirmed what I've been thinking about. And that's from God. that I can trust that's from God. But when someone steps up in the church and just starts saying something, and it doesn't really apply to the body of Christ, um, then you have to wonder, where did they get that from? And sometimes people want to show their gift um, rather than being obedient to the Holy Spirit, I believe being obedient to the Holy Spirit is more important than showing off our gifts, uh, you know showing, oh look, I have the gift of so and so just be obedient to the holy Spirit he 'll tell you when to apply the gift and how to apply the gift and and use it. Believe me, all of us. All of us need to be sensitive to that because that's how ministry is done. I believe it's called body ministry. We all encourage each other. We pray for each other. We lift, you know, I I hear from people and sometimes I don't want to say anything because it would come across as coming from the pastor, you know, and I don't want to. And then I'll hear someone else go over and give a word of encouragement and, and say just the right thing. And it's like, praise the Lord. It wasn't from me. It was from God using them. That's, that's the Holy Spirit, you know. And I pray that God would do that more, you know, because that's for the whole church. That's body ministry. I love that. So if you have that gift, use it in proportion to your faith. I love that. In proportion to your faith. Some people don't have a lot of faith, but if God puts something on your heart, just go do it. Just go do what God has put on your heart and let him, that's how he builds faith. He builds faith by showing you, look, I'm going to use you to do that, to do that little thing. And then in verse seven, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. That's cool, ministry and ministering. Everybody thinks the ministry is this. This is the ministry. No, this isn't the ministry. This is my gift that God gave me years ago that I didn't use for years because I was afraid to use it. I, well, that's not what God's really calling me to do. I'm just a type A personality, you know, and, and, and I would talk myself out of it you know but then god continued to put me in situations where i was able to teach and then i could see oh god is using that god is using that okay well then i will continue but what good would teaching be if i didn't study the word of god what would i be teaching you know i would be teaching what i thought was important and i i want to teach what he thinks is important And so when you minister, minister whatever God has given you, the gift that God has given you, minister it to someone else. You know, sometimes ministering is going, someone is sick, and you go and sit with them. And you just, you know, uh, be there for them and, and minister to them just by being present, listening to them, hearing what they have, praying for them. That's ministering. And every one of us, can do that and apply that gift in one way or another. He who teaches in teaching. Well, we just went through that. He who exhorts in exhortation. Ah, that's great. I, I love exhorting. I love when people exhort others because they see someone needs to have an exhortation. Sometimes I'm exhorted when I don't need the exhortation and someone comes up and gives me an exhortation and I'm like, wow, that's from the Lord. I'm pumped. It just pumps me up even more. So be the one that God uses to exhort others. It's always great when he does that. He um, who gives with liberality. Okay, we don't all have to become liberals, but in this case... Um, giving, it's okay to be a liberal. So, um, what he's talking about is giving, don't give, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to give, you know, we, we, everyone like, everyone has the gift of receiving, huh? <laughs> right. We all have that gift, but giving is something that, you know, we, all right, how do we give? How much do you, when do we give? Oh, folks, it's not just money. When you give, give whatever God is telling you to give, whether it's your time, it's uh, help to, you know, bring someone to a, an appointment, whatever the case may be. But that's between you and God. And say, God, Show me. Open up an opportunity for me to give and then give liberally. And I always see God doing great things when people do that. Uh, He blesses them because they do that. He who leads with diligence. If you lead, here's the key to leadership. You do it by example. If you lead spiritually Then you do it by example. I want to fill myself with the word to show other people how they can fill themselves with the word and then have the Lord speak to them. Sometimes people say, I've never had the Lord speak to me. Haven't you read your Bible? Then you have had the Lord speak to you, haven't you? Maybe you weren't listening. We need to read the Bible with the attitude that the Lord is going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us through his word. So let's have that attitude. Let's be ready to hear from him. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Oh, I'm sorry. He who leads, uh, I did that. He who leads with diligence, and diligence is important too. Be diligent when you lead so that others can follow. If you're not diligent, if you're just randomly leading people, uh, they're not going to follow. Be diligent about yourself first, and then people will follow because they see what you're doing, that you're leading by example. And then finally, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, you know, that's a tough one. Showing mercy, first of all, on someone that's struggling, someone that's suffering, someone maybe have have lost someone recently, or someone that has just been diagnosed with um, a, a a different disease or something like, whatever it is, have mercy by going there and just sitting and ministering to them, but do it cheerfully. Uh, and, and if you're going to show mercy on someone, don't, yeah, well, I'm, I've got to show mercy because the Bible says so. You know, the word of God says I'm, I've got to be merciful. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to show you some mercy. That's not Mercy. You're trying to lay a guilt trip on someone for giving them mercy, you know? So obviously, that's I, I did that with the kids. It didn't work, you know? Um, fortunately, they all left home and now they're doing great, um, you know? And, and don't, you know, I joke about that. Fortunately, they all left home. You know, it's not that I wanted them to leave home. We, we would love to have them with us all the time. But we know for them to be able to be successful on their own, they have to leave home. They have to go do it on their own. They have to learn on their own. It's so sweet when those that are out there learning, when those that are out there doing, you know, and we see them become successful, and it's like, praise the Lord, you know, they, it, it worked. You know, they, they actually went out there and they did what we didn't expect, you know, because we watch them grow up and we are like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen to these? And, and they grow up and, and they surprise us and amaze us. That's God. You know, and, and so as we close up today, we consider these things. It's, uh, it, it's important for us to be living for God first. Because when we live for God, all of these things fall into place. Our time in the word edifies us and then it becomes a gift and a fruit that we can then give to someone else so that they can be edified, that they can experience the things that we've been blessed with in our time with him. Living sacrifices. We don't like that word sacrifice unless it's done for us. It's not us doing the sacrificing, but that's what we're called to do. Amen?